Welcome to Hashtag Scripture, your sophisticatedly ratchet word delivery system. Call us Deliveroo because we are serving you the word, the word of God with extra, extra Holy Ghost anointed sauce. It's so great. It's so awesome. On Hashtag Scripture, we're discussing everyday topics informed by an everlasting God. Just so you know, we are not liable for any stitches that you get when you break your ribs from laughing we're just not liable we're just not we just aren't okay so you need to get your health insurance sorted out okay you need to go to your employer and just upgrade your health insurance package because we're just not liable okay thank you and good day before we start we want you to go share this with anybody who you think doesn't really understand who the real jesus is but the real jesus please stand up go and share it you can find us on instagram hashtag scripture soundcloud facebook itunes hashtag scripture and twitter ht scripture so go and have a look there oh and patreon sorry patreon www.patreon.com forward slash hashtag scripture where we give you like merch we give you discounts on merch we give you discounts on tickets and free tickets to events extra content all the good thingamajiggies Thank you very much. Let's get into it. Yay. So the word on the street is we're not all really sure who Jesus is and what he really stands for, and what his purpose is. There are so many misconceptions. There are so many different narratives. There are so many different types of churches based on Jesus, which I think is already strange. Okay. Jesus is my homeboy. It's my swass, my doggy. Like Jesus is this my guy. You know, he was a cool dude. He was just a lowly carpenter. Like all of these different things, you know, Jesus was never, okay, before I even just revealed the whole episode, Let's try and figure out who this Jesus is. Allow us to reintroduce Jesus to you. Today we'll be discussing who, what and why is Jesus and the misconceptions about Jesus cleared up. Uh, Okay, so let's go into it. Who, what and why is Jesus? So before we start, I'm Femi. And I'm Tina. And welcome to Hashtag Scripture. We want to dedicate this episode, well, all our episodes are dedicated to Jesus. Obviously, it's called Hashtag Scripture. He in a title, Scripture equals the word, equals Jesus, get to know. Uh, yeah, but we want to just exclusively dedicate this episode to none other than Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, the Lion and the Lamb, God made flesh. We, de- we dedicate this to you, the way, the truth, and the life, and to the uncovering of that truth of who you really are and who we subsequently are through you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So who or what is Jesus? The book of John is probably the best place to go to figure out who Jesus is because it just has all of these like one-liners and these like passages that are like, this is who Jesus is. And you're just like, well, I wasn't even asking, but I'm going to tell you. So um, if we can start at John chapter 1, It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. That's talking about Jesus, honey. That's that's quite emotional in terms of just who Jesus is. Jesus was at the beginning with God. If you go all the way down to verse 10, it then says, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. So we can get this, we already get this picture that, Jesus came down and people didn't know him. People had misconceptions. People still have misconceptions about who Jesus was supposed to be, who he actually was and who he is now. Um, on, in verse 14, it then says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. So it's telling us that Jesus is the word of God and the word became flesh. So that basically, so that it says it in the rest of the chapter that he could save the human race, humankind, right? So chapter six, verse 48 to 51, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, the one that you may eat and not die. I am the living bread which came from heaven. If anyone eats it, sorry, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Jesus is saying, I am life i am the bread of life he says that he is that eternal sustenance like if you want to have eternal life you're gonna to have to have jesus sweetie and it's funny because like in this chapter he he then says to 
um, some of the disciples and some of the people who are listening are like, so I don't understand. Are you supposed to, are, we say, are you saying that we're supposed to eat your flesh? Does that make sense? Are we cannibals? Are you a barbarian? And this is, again, another misconception about Jesus. People don't understand what he's come to do, but he is telling us, listen, if you don't participate in who I am and you don't imbibe me, then you can't be with me. You can't sit with us. Um, John 8, chapter 12 Jesus is the light of the world. It says, then Jesus spoke, spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will sh not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so when we think of light, we can think of holiness. We can think of the uncovering of truth. We can think of um, things exposed, right? So this is, this is what truth is. This is what God is. This is what Jesus is. He is the uncovering of all things that are in darkness. He is the light to I wanted to say he's the, he's the salsa to your notches, but I don't know where that came from, but I think it was the Holy Spirit. But anyway, um, Jesus is, I am. So, right. So we understand that Jesus is God because when God was telling Moses, well, basically when Moses said to God, who am I going to say has sent me? What should I say your name is? God says to Moses, tell them I am has sent you. He says that in Exodus chapter three, verse 14. And then Jesus then says to um, the people further down in John chapter eight, verse 58, he says, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. So he's reiterating, I am that same God that Moses told the people that was coming or who had sent him. Um, he then says, I am the door in um, chapter 10 verse 9 he says I am the door if anyone enters to me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief does not come except to still kill and destroy I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly so Jesus is saying that if you want salvation there's only one door and that is me mm. and then he says all other things he says I am the good shepherd he says that he is he says he and the father are one he's telling us that he is divinity he is what everything was made out of every cell in your body was made because jesus called it into being because god called it into being through jesus the word of god and yeah he's just awesome he's just great he, like he's both god and man fully god and fully man and yes it's hard to understand but surely if it was easy to understand it couldn't be true because then it, that would mean that you have the same intellect as god and i know that you don't think that you have the same iq as the person who created the whole of the universe that wouldn't make sense why is jesus tina okay so why we need jesus i mean everything Everything you could possibly need in life is wrapped up in the personhood of Jesus. Um, so for me, it's talked about who he is and why we need, and I'm going to talk about why we need him. And I'm going to say it again. Everything you could possibly need in life is wrapped up in the personhood of Jesus. So allow me to please reintroduce Jesus allow to you. Allow me to reintroduce myself. And if Jesus was saying it, he would be saying, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Jesus and I am all you need. Point blank and the period. Okay. He okay. is everything that you need. Um, Jesus is the king. Jesus is a king. We call him king of kings, lord of lords. And we say this and, you know, he's part of a kingdom. Um, but we, do we fully understand what that means? Jesus is the king of your kingdom. So you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of that kingdom. Why is this significant? It's significant because... We almost always associate Jesus as being lowly all the time um, whilst he was on earth. Um, but he was a king. There are certain things we associate with kingship. And um, with someone who is a king, kings have power. Kings have wealth. Kings are kings lord over things. Okay. Kings have access to the kingdom. And Jesus had and has all of these things whilst he was on earth and as he, and also as he was seated, seated by by God himself. Jesus has and had power over sickness, lack and the enemy and everything else you can put after that. Jesus possesses all the wealth. So a king has power. Jesus has power. Okay. Kings possess things. They possess wealth. Jesus possesses all wealth. All the wealth of the father Jesus has. All sufficiency is from him. We see this in the Bible repeated over and over and over again. Okay. Kings lord power and lord things over other things. Jesus lorded his power over sickness, demons, negative 
of situations, water, okay, natural disasters, the devil, animals, trees, plants, you know, Jesus lauded his power, he exercised his power over things, he wasn't just a king, okay, yes, he was lowly, people like, okay, he is lowly, and he was very humble, and he was very meek, okay, yeah, he possessed all these characteristics, but he lauded his power, and wielded his power over many things whilst he was on earth, Jesus has access to the kingdom of God, we see this in Matthew 24, Jesus saying that he has the keys of heaven, okay? He is the king who has the keys to the kingdom. There is nobody else who possesses the keys. Jesus has the keys, okay? Jesus is a leader. Jesus is a king. He is seated at the right hand of the father in heaven. Jesus is a king. And sometimes I think that we, um, you know, we, I, I think we've said this before in other episodes where we'd like to think of God and Jesus as having certain characteristics. And one of the things that I think we never kind of fully equate him with is kingship. And I think it's really, really important for us to do that. Um, Jesus is our king in the kingdom of God. His throne is situated on the right-hand side of the father and he rules. He rules and he reigns. How many songs do we sing in church? Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Okay. Jesus, he rules and he reigns. But please note, Jesus isn't, Jesus is mobile. He isn't just seated, seated. Why do I keep saying that? He isn't just seated at the throne 24-7. Seated on the throne of my life. Sorry. <laughs> However, that is where he is situated when he makes intercession for us before the Father. And I love that. Let's just pause. Okay. Jesus is mobile. He's walking up and down. He's doing things. He's active. Okay. But then when he comes to now make intercession on behalf of his, on behalf of us for God, he sits next to God. And I need you to understand, just imagine it. Like he's like, God, let me talk to you about my friend for me. Okay. Like, God, let me talk to you about my child, our child, Tina. Okay. He's not like begging and pleading. He's sitting beside God and he's like, okay, now I'm interceding on behalf of of one of us okay um and we see this in romans 8 34 ephesians 1 20 colossians 3 1 hebrews 1 3 there's so many okay we see this time and time again jesus why we need jesus not only because he is our king you know when you need something you really go and go to the king go to the king take me to the king right take us where we should want to go before our king before our lord before our maker another thing why we need jesus and we need to know who he is and understand who he is and we're going to reintroduce ourselves to um to jesus is because of his name now i preached this message well i preached it i preached this message last week Today. I preached this message last week to my youth. No, hey, I preached this message yesterday because this is coming out tomorrow, right? No, next week. God, let me get it together. So, I preached a message. I preached this message previously um, to my youth, right? About the name of Jesus and that how he possesses the most powerful name. Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11 talks about it. We can go what from verse 5. Name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. Sorry. So I preached this, I preached this message. And Philippians 2 verse 9 talks about the most powerful name that is Jesus. And I made sure that my youth understood this. Is that prior to Jesus dying and defeating the enemy and resurrecting, there was no power ascribed to his name. That power came after. Okay, so therefore God has also exalted... Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, um, so we see that there is power attached to the name of Jesus. It's not just regular. It's not a regular name. We're not even calling you the presence of Jesus. We're calling just his name. We're saying at the mention of his name, situations must move. At the mention of his name, demons must tremble. At the mention of his name, whatever label, whatever lack, whatever stigma, whatever stereotype that may be associated with you, with your family, with your situation, it has to bow to the name of Jesus. What does it mean to bow? It means to submit to. It means to make sure that it means to position yourself at a lower place than the name of Jesus, that he is supreme, that he is sovereign, that his name is more powerful. And this is why we need to fully understand. We need to actually deep that the name of Jesus is powerful in acts chapter 3 verse 6 um peter was trying peter was walking through 
um, a marketplace of town, a marketplace, and there was a guy who was crippled and begging for money. And then Peter said to him, "Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk." That in the name, at the mention of the name of Jesus, that this man was healed. And that's where we need to fully understand who Jesus is, and let us actually really deep how powerful he is, how powerful his name is. His name is so powerful. Um, Jesus's blood, the blood of Jesus, literally the blood of Jesus is amazing. And um, if you have, a, if you're a part of a church that has Holy Communion, then you'll know about some of the virtues of the blood of Jesus. Sometimes we quote scriptures on the blood of Jesus that it can wash away all your sins and it can do all of these things. The blood of Jesus is powerful. And I'm going to just read off a list of things that the blood of Jesus can do. And I'm going to do it in first person. And I want you guys to make sure that you guys hear it. And you can also maybe write it down, jot it down and say, because of the blood of Jesus, this is what I have been awarded. Okay. Because of the blood of Jesus, my debt is paid once and for all. But Hebrews 9, 28. Um, so Christ was offered once to bear for his sins for many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Okay. Because of the blood of Jesus... Jesus, guys, your debt is paid once and for all. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are justified. I am justified. Romans 5 verse 9. Much more than having now been justified for his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are forgiven. I am forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Guys, come on, understand Jesus. Like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, because of Jesus, we have been spared from God's wrath. Now, God's wrath is serious business. So because of the blood of Jesus, we are spared from God's wrath. And this is the same verse, Romans chapter five, verse nine. Um, because of the blood of Jesus, I am being spiritually healed. One day, even my flesh will be replaced with an incorruptible body. First Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. So you have been spiritually healed. You are spiritually alive because of the blood of Jesus. John 6.53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink of his blood you have no life in you this is spiritual life okay because of the blood of Jesus my judgment has been satisfied and I am at peace with God this is highly scriptural guys because we're not going to just give you what we think Jesus is or what we've heard Jesus to be this is what we have read Jesus to be okay this is why we need to do a reintroduction so that we can all have a real new revelation of who Jesus is okay um my judgment has been satisfied and I am at peace with God. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we... Did I just read that? I really feel like I just read that. Okay. Um, if I didn't, then there it is. Isaiah 53 verse 5. We are cleansed. We are cleansed. Um, 1 John 1 7. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have power to overcome the enemy. This is so important. This is linked to the name of Jesus as well. The blood of Jesus has power to overcome the enemy revelations 12 11 says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death because of the blood of jesus you are no longer under the curse of the law galatians 3 13 guys we know this says christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written curses everyone who hangs on a tree i just mentioned three things the kingship the name and the blood of jesus Think about all the virtues that we can attach to Jesus. Think about what it would mean if our, if our lives were completely intertwined and we fully had a proper relationship with this person of this person, Jesus Christ. All the things that his kingship attributes, all the things that his name attributes, all the things that his blood attributes. It's an absolutely amazing thing. I mean, I could go on. I'll stop. 
I'm, I mean, I'll carry on a bit later on, but I'll stop here. There are so many things that I think we need to fully, really, really realize just that we need to fully realize about Jesus Christ. Um, and I don't think we've even kind of delved into all of them. I don't think we've even kind of really, really understood them and deeped it and overstood, not even understood, overstood just how amazing Jesus Christ is. And I think it's important to understand that why it had to be Jesus and it couldn't be someone else. Like um, today at church, my pastor was talking about, you know, it wasn't Martha who was on the cross and it wasn't Paul who was on the cross. It was Jesus who was on the cross. And it's important to understand because the blood of Jesus is more valuable than any other blood. You know, it says like it speaks forth better things than the blood of Abel. And the reason that it does that is because imagine a whole God, yeah, who created the heavens and the earth, right? Coming down to earth to dwell amongst his people just for the only sheer matter of fact that they had decided that they didn't want to be a part of him. They wanted to be doing whatever they wanted to do, whichever Shakara they wanted to be doing. And he decided, nope, I'm not going to let them go without a fight. I'm going to keep fighting for them. I'm going to come down and literally fight for them. I'm going to let them fight me so that they can be reconciled onto me. I'm going to prove to them how much I love them. Deep that, that as in a whole God who lives in heaven, yeah, big boy heaven, the streets are paved with gold, the clouds are made out of diamond, there's topaz and sapphire just chilling everywhere, 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 sparkle, sparkle, precious diamonds and gold, yeah? And then he came and said, okay, no, I'm going to come down to sand, sea, and uh, mud, Yeah? I'm going to come down here with you people just to show you people. I'm going to now graze my knee. I'm going to now have a cold. I'm now going to be now doing poo and we, yeah? This is a whole God, right? So that we can know that he loves us and that he can sympathize with us and that he knows what we've going through. Because obviously... One thing that you can say about God, if he wasn't Jesus, is that, oh, you don't know how it feels, God. You don't know how I feel. You don't know how this struggle is. You don't know I'm really tempted and you can't really relate. Duh, 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 duh. Like, how can I really trust you? Because you're a whole God. How could you love me? So then he said, okay, hold my beer. And he was like, I'm coming down. I'm coming to show you. And he literally came, lived amongst us, showed us how to live, showed us that it was possible. So it's just it's important to understand, like, how revelational, like, how revolutionary a whole God coming to, to earth, yeah, to come and sit with sinners and tell people that he loves them and tell people, listen, just repent and you can have whatever you want. You can be with me for and have abundant eternal life. Just come, just come, just come, just repent and come to actually come and hand deliver the message, not to be using prophets because he was using prophets. He said, the prophets is not working. Yeah. Let me come in These person. Kings, they didn't work either. Yeah. So um, I just think, yeah, it's just really important to realise, like, how amazing that is. Um, and we've got a newsflash here. Newsflash! Um, which is basically, it's a list of all the stupid people who thought that they were Jesus at a time. So this is, a, I'm not going to read the whole list because it's a lot of people, child. There's a lot of people who thought they were Jesus, especially, like, um, recently for some reason. But let's see. Okay. One from the 18th century. Anne Lee, 1735 to 1780. See, I can't, dyslexia is real, guys. Anne Lee, 1736 to 1784. The founder of the leader of the Shakers, of the leader of the, the, the Shakers, sh 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 Shakers, sorry. <laughs> Lee's followers were refer referred to her as mother. So this is a woman, yeah, saying that she is Jesus and believing that she was the female incarnation of Christ on earth. Then we have 19th century John Nichols, John Nichols Thom, a Cornish tax rebel who claimed to be the saviour of the world and the incarnation of Jesus Christ in 1834. He was killed by British soldiers, soldiers at the Battle of Bosendon. Bosendon, apparently, teacher. Uh, and then another one from here, William W. Davis, the leader of the Latter-day Saints. Listen, these Latter-day Saints, yeah, every like two and a half years, they have got another incarnation of jesus and i need and them to actually end of the world prophecy that's never happened i need them to learn that it's not every year it isn't actually every year yeah, it's so gonna yeah. be some year it will be a year but it won't be every year jesus is not gonna come back every single day he's coming back one day and then it's over yeah oh he's not coming God. back several several times i need you to get that latter-day saints because it seems like you have a problem here um so they had a group called the kingdom of heaven located in walla walla washington walla shame walla shame sorry um from 18 
1867 to 1881 and he taught his followers that he was the archangel michael see this, these people who keep confusing archangel michael and jesus and i need you all to stop who had previously lived in biblical adam and abraham and in uh and david what lived as mm -hmm. oh who had previously so not only is he purporting to be archangel michael and jesus but also adam and abraham and no. david so it's like having a one-man play and you're all the parts that's what you wanted to say listen Wait, william listen sir <laughs> you can't be everybody he then said when david's second son david was born in 1869 he was declared to be god the father listen sir I know you're dead, yeah, but I'm still talking to you. Lord, don't strike me down. I'm not doing a cultic practice. But I think it needs to be said that not everybody in your family needs to be everybody in the Bible. Okay, then we go to the 20th century. Um, we've got Hel Selassie, right, who did not claim to be Jesus. He did not claim to be Jesus. But apparently the Rastafari movement swear that he is Jesus, even though he actually denies that he was Jesus. They, by force, have said, nope, you're Jesus. We ain't going, we ain't virgin. Um, and they basically believe that um, that he was embodied as Jesus um, and that he will come back again in the day of judgment to judge people, obviously, because that's why it's called the day of judgment. But I don't, I don't really get that one because I don't understand. If he said he wasn't, then why, why did they believe? Like, what would make you, what would make you do that? I'm confused with that one because... I, I always thought the understanding was that, yeah, he didn't say that them, he was Jesus, but they thought that maybe not Jesus, but that he was them, their Messiah kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so that's how they kind of got around it because they was coming under so much criticism for saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. With like, no, he's our Messiah. He's our sent one. You know what I mean? Um, I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't know. It's a lot. I don't know. Um, what you came to do, girl. <laughs> uh, Krishna Venta. Born Francis Hi, Herman Penkovic in San Francisco, founded the WKFL, Wisdom, Knowledge, Faith and Love Fountain of the World cult in Simi Valley, California in the late 1940s. In 1948, he stated that he was Christ, the new Messiah, and claimed to have led a convoy of rocket ships to Earth. Wow. Sorry. From, <laughs> from the extinct planet Neophrates. He died on December the 10th, 1958, after being suicide bombed by two disgruntled former member members who accused Renta of mishandling cult funds and having been intimate with their wives. Wow. So they really did love and hip hop right there in California. That's so silly. I Guys, mean, wow. this, do you know what? Everything else I can kind of okay. Rocket ships. You can okay the rocket ships. ships. No, everything okay. else I can Because I thought she was okay. okay in the rocket ships. Everything I said, okay. Else, okay, fine. Okay. But the fact that you feel like you're going to come to uh, on a rocket ship, on a rocket ship. And you're, From Neophrates. And, and, and you're Jesus. Rocket ship. No, stop it and sit down. You're actually stupid. Yeah, actually, actually, that's dumb. Because some of these things, it's really just, if you just read I'm the Bible, like you would understand. Because in the Bible, when Jesus went to heaven, he ascended bodily into heaven. He didn't need a rocket ship. So you could have just looked in Elijah the Bible. Just open need a rocket it. ship. <laughs> just open the Bible and turn one page and you'll just see that that is not the case. Do you know what I mean? It's just not hard. I don't understand. Anyway. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many in the 20th century. Everybody thought there was Jesus in the 20th century. I want a good one. There was one a really juicy one. Do you know what? Let me just do one more from the 21st century. I'll do this one because I find this one funny. David Shaler, um, 1965. The guy's still alive then, apparently. Um, he was a, MI, a former MI5 agent and a whistleblower who in the summer of 2007 proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. He has released a series of videos on YouTube claiming to be Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Although he has not built up a noticeable following <laughs> since his claims. Now, I don't donkey. know if you read that Bible, but I donkey, think Jesus donkey. had at least 5,000 followers. At the very least. Donkey, at donkey, the very, donkey. very least had 5,000 followers. So, David, Mr. Shayla. Why can't you get more followers on Instagram? Why can't you get more subscribers on YouTube? If you're Jesus, do a miracle. That's what they were saying to Jesus. If you're Jesus, then come off of the, the crucifix and do it yourself. Listen, it shouldn't be hard to get followers if you're Jesus. Because that was like his main thing. Do you know what I mean? That was his main gig. He was an Instagram you have one influencer. job. 
Like, can you read the Oscar Romero one? Because that one is so recent and so funny. Okay, Oscar Romero, oh, Oscar Romero Ortega Hernandez. Hey, uh, 1990. Um, so in November 2011, he fired nine shots with a Romanian. I don't know what that means. Cougar? Cougar? Yeah. yeah. SA. With a, with a semi-automatic rifle yeah. at the White House in Washington, D.C., believing himself to be Jesus Christ, sent to kill U.S. President Barack Obama, whom he believed to be the Antichrist. Now, I'm going to just tell you a couple of reasons why this can't be somebody within their right mind. I don't remember Jesus ever putting a weapon on anybody and shooting anybody because I know that in the Bible, it says that the, weapon of our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not material weapons. It's not now gun and knife that you shall use to bring the Antichrist down, Abby. If it's the Antichrist, you really think it is, it will be a spiritual warfare. But, but, <laughs> furthermore, but, why, why Barack Obama got to be the Antichrist? This is exactly what I was going to say. Why is it got to be, so not even Donald Trump, is he is now doing literal Antichrist um, occultic practices right there in the White House. Nobody wants to come and, and this, okay. this is my issue is that why do you think that Barack Obama is the Antichrist? Like, what has he done that is so bad? Um, kill all the um, pedophiles, no. Kill all the murderers, no. Kill all the child pornographers, no. But if he killed kill... all of those people, I mean, I don't think people would be upset. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they're upset mm-hmm. about Barack Oh, you're saying he should kill. Yeah. Oh, oh why, you're is saying that, Oscar, why is it that Jesus... Oscar, why did you why not want to kill the pedophiles? you are... Jesus and that Jesus is going to really come down from heaven to kill the Antichrist and the Antichrist is you believe Barack Obama to be the Antichrist you don't believe that um, the Antichrist is people who are killing babies or murdering or raping babies right. no but you believe that the Antichrist is Barack Obama you used to have several seats in the electric chair I don't chair. get it and because Jesus was like you know when Peter cut off the ear of the high priest or whoever and Peter, and Jesus was like no no don't do that what are you doing but then you you have come to go and find nine shots at the White House. And anyway, everybody's trying to be Jesus. Really, I, put, I hope they put you in the hole underneath the jail. Everybody's really trying to be Jesus, and, uh, and you know, and we know why. We we know why because Jesus is that guy. I mean, Jesus really is that guy. I mean, there's a lot of people who are not trying claiming to be uh, some of the other religious leaders in the world. Okay, but everyone. Well, trying I to mean, because if they did, then claim to be claim to be Jesus. It's not good. Oh, misconceptions about Jesus cleared up. Okay, so let us clear up some popular misconceptions about Jesus. Bums. Um, he was polite all the time. No, honey, he just wasn't, okay? He, um, he most certainly wasn't. He was polite when it was appropriate to be, and he was impolite when it was appropriate to be impolite. Not every situation requires a soft touch. Sometimes people need a, sl- a slap. I'm sorry, like, it <laughs> had to be said. Sometimes people need tough love. That's why they call it tough love, because it's actually necessary, and sometimes it's needed, you know? Um, no one knew how to deal with a situation more than Jesus. When um, the... Pharisees were just acting crazy as usual. Jesus would say things like in Matthew 12 34, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or in John 8 44, you are, your fa- you are of your father, the devil. And the de- John 8 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Or in Matthew 21, verse 12 to 13, then Jesus went to the temple of God and drove out all of those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So let's just discuss that for a second. Listen, that's like Jesus coming to your church. Yes, your specific church and coming and starting to turn turn over the tables and the chairs and the pews and saying, this is trash. Don't do this in, in God's house. Don't, don't call this God's house if you're going to act mad. That's what it's like. And I don't think that you'd think that was polite. If I did, I know that if I know for a fact, if I came to your church and I started turning over tables and chairs and saying, no, this ain't bright, boo then you would find it offensive. You would not find me polite. You'd most likely have me escorted out by security. But Jesus did that. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's not polite. It's not polite. It's not polite. Um, Jesus was always peaceful. So this is kind of along the lines of um, what Fumi was saying in regards to he was always polite. Jesus was always peaceful. Yes, Jesus is a great guy. Um, He was nice. And we know we say things like, oh, the peace that only Jesus can give that surpasses all understanding. So we quote these scriptures. Yes, he gives peace. Doesn't mean that he himself was always peaceful. He can give 
you peace because he is Jesus. Um, according to Luke 12, 51, um, Jesus himself said, think ye that I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you no, but separation and put even and, and to put even more clearly in Matthew 10, 34, do not think that I came to send peace upon the earth. I came not to send peace, but the sword. So there's times that he said, I've come to separate. I've come to um, bring the sword and find that he's come to shake things up. You know what I mean? He had to destabilize the status quo. Shake he had, it like a polar boy. Pizza. He had to shake things up. He couldn't have just been coming on this whole lowly um, peaceful tip and think that he was going to cause uh, the biggest wave. He mm. literally transformed the world in three years. He wasn't doing that all peacefully. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, he came to bring peace. There's many people whose hearts he has rendered peaceful, but he came to shake things up. So when you're coming to shake things up, shake it up with knowing that it's Jesus did it first and don't come and be scattering people's lives because he didn't it's not like he was scattering I'm like oh I'm doing the work of God no 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 he was shaking things up so that they could be aware of this new kingdom the new kingdom of God so he wasn't always peaceful he was about it he was it was on site many of times okay <laughs> on site many as when we said he came in flipping tables it was on site many times just on rockers okay okay and you know what's funny? Like, atheists always use that scripture to say, like, see, Jesus wasn't peaceful. Jesus was bringing swords and da 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 But that's not the type of unrest that it's talking about. That's not the type of peace that it means there. It's talking about in terms of the status quo was disrupted. The status quo was about, you know, them being very legalistic and not thinking about mm -hmm. people not having a heart for people but just having a heart for following the law mm -hmm. regardless of who it hurt or how they did it you know and um you so jesus came to you know turn the world upside down as it says in acts you know and um and do something different for that context and you know bring unrest in that context and then also you know between mother and father daughter and son and da -da -da -da. daughter and son mother and mother and daughter father and son you know um like saying that, okay, I'm, I've not come to bring you guys together. I've come to make you choose me first. Mm. I've come to save you from this world. So you can love the world and hate me or you can hate the world and love me. And that's the kind of peace that it's talking about. Not like, okay, he came to bring war because that's not what he came to bring. And, and also along the same rhetorics is where, you know, we get uh, many Christians who the, the whole turn the other cheek movement. <laughs> call yeah. it a movement. Movement, you know. <laughs> like Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Uh, like the whole turn the other cheek yes that that is you know uh, something that we are we are called to do but with given the right situation and given the right circumstances um jesus wasn't turning the other cheek to I'm abuse turn, turn, he wasn't turn, turning the I'm other turn. cheek to injustice he wasn't turning the other cheek to um to evil he wasn't exactly. turning the other cheek to when people um well, actually, sometimes when they were trying to stone him, he didn't. He just ran. He just went away. He didn't run because Jesus doesn't run away from anything. Okay, but he would he, he would leave. But he's not turning the other cheek to to abuse at all. And that's something that I think we need to make sure that we understand. It's not oh someone kind of did it, did it, did it, just turn the other cheek. Where where does that come from? Because Jesus really came and he really told people that what you are doing is wrong mm -hmm. and you have to change. You mm -hmm. have to stop. And you're not going to treat me like this. You're mm -hmm. not going to treat my disciples like this. But whenever, you're not. Whenever any of the Pharisees or Sadducees will come for the disciples, he'll be like, first of all, don't talk to my disciples, okay? Because you and them are not the same, not on the same level. What they're doing is better than what you're doing. Okay, yes, so for, they haven't washed their hands. Are they, will they die? You know? That's the exact example <laughs> like, I was just about to bring up. Like, is it hands. your business? <laughs> But it's like, you know, so stop this, turn the other cheek and just thinking that it's okay. Oh, I'm going to turn the other cheek and I'm going to go in my prayer closet and pray. <laughs> say what you have to say and say it with vim and say it with the backing of Jesus. I'm not saying that you should scatter people and be doing rubbish, but say what you've got to say and say it with vim because that's what Jesus did. He, can we get with it? <laughs> Uh, another misconception is that he never called himself God. Now, I'll be the first to admit that Jesus is not the type of bloke to just come out and say things in just simple Aramaic. He didn't do that. He was very roundabout and very like, oh, I'm going to tell you a cryptic parable and you're going to have to decipher this for yourself. Yeah. Quantum physics and da -da 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 -da, you know. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that he didn't say that he was God. He just didn't say it in English because he didn't speak English, number mm. one. You know, he said it in different ways that the people of the time and the context would understand. So, for example, in John chapter 8, verse 52 to 59, he says, well, this happens. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets that are dead? 
who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, this is what Jesus said. He said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day my day and he saw it and was glad and the Jews said to him you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham and Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was I am mm. then they took up stones to throw at him because they love trying to stone Jesus honey yeah. but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by yeah. and then in Matthew 16 uh 16 to 17 Simon Peter answered and said you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter is straight mm. out accusing him of being God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, mm. for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, mm. but my father who is in heaven. So why did Jesus not take this opportunity to say, Peter, what are you talking about? Of course, I'm not God. I'm just a prophet. Mm. You know, mm. when when um, John the Baptist was saying, oh, you were... Um, you know, somebody is coming who's bootstrapped. Why didn't he say, oh, no, 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 chill, chill, chill. That's not me. What are you talking about? You know, he could have said, he had plenty of time to say, I'm not God. But he said, no, I am. Before, yeah. when Abraham was I doing am. baby mm-hmm. diapers, I am. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. there. In the, I was there hard mm-hmm. in the paint. I was there. I was there shooting in the gym. Mm-hmm. You weren't there when Abraham was there. I was there. Nobody purports to be there when Abraham was there. If they're not saying I'm an eternal person, yeah. nobody does that. That's that's just you have to understand the context of the time. Jesus was not a braggadocious type of person. No. Jesus was not going to go around saying, "Yeah, I'm king. Bow down to me." Da-da-da-da. Jesus never said that. Spoke like that because that's not what he came for. Mm. Jesus came to serve us. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Mm. Is the person who washed the feet of the disciples going to be saying, "You better bow down to me because I'm God," and if you don't bow mm. down to me, then da-da-da-da. no. Do you understand? So we have to we have to understand the way that Christ talks. In Luke 22, um, 67 to 70, um, it says, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will by no means believe me. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer. Yeah. Um, sorry, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Um then they all said, are you the son of God? So then he said, you rightly say that I am. And they said, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. So there again, he said to them, listen, whether I say I am or I'm not, you're not going to believe me. So just get over it. But at the same time, yeah, I am. Do you know what I mean? Or the, to be fair, there's a lot of dispute about what what he actually says here in terms of, does he say that he rightly you are or surely um surely you say that I am or does he just say you say that I am and even if he just said you say that I am and he doesn't say rightly if he says you say that I am either he's gonna say no I'm not if he wasn't because that's the charge that they're actually charging him with so if he wasn't do you realize that if he said no I'm not Mm. then he they would have let him go yeah do you actually realize that do you deep how as in they wouldn't have beat him and flogged him they wouldn't have spat on him in his face they wouldn't have dragged him to the cross and crucified him naked kid to the cross if he had said no i'm not i'm not the son of god i'm not god let me go do you actually deep it he could have just in that moment face of death face of all the fear because you know that he was scared it's not that he wasn't scared yeah he was scared in that garden of gethsemane he said listen god if you can let me go now's a good time mm. he said that and yet still when face point blank and they said are you the son of god he said you say that i am he didn't say nope I'm going home. Screw you guys. I'm going home. (laughs) It's a lot. You know, it's very serious. You have to understand that this is Jesus. Jesus, the thing I love about Jesus is that he has a lot of tact. He knows how to purport himself, he knows how to portray himself, he knows how to carry himself. He's the type of person, he's not going to be like, yeah, I am, and what? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's very humble. He's a meek person. Mm. So he's not going to be shouting from the rooftops about how he's God and how he's the father and everybody should bow down to him. No. But at the same time, he didn't deny it when people point blank said to his face, are you God? Mm. He never denied it. Mm. Why would he not deny it? Why would he say, I am? Why would he, do you understand? Like, why was he, why is he using all of these, um, all of these terms that are only used for God, mm. you know? 
I completely agree. I can completely agree. I love that one as well because that's something that's definitely a misconception. Um, another misconception is that um, Jesus is only mentioned in the Bible. You know, this is just a fictional character. You know, or they stole they stole the idea of those who people who are Egyptologists. You know, they stole the idea of Jesus from Jesus and from um, the carvings in, Mate. Um, in, Mate. in in Egyptian caves and pyramids and stuff. You know, Horus, the Eye of Horus, like all of these different things that, oh, it's only made up in the Bible. That's actually not true. Um, first of all, Jesus actually existed and we are going to really, really, really talk about it a little bit later on. But Jesus is only mentioned in the Bible, not true. Jesus is also mentioned approximately 71 times in the Quran. Okay? I mean, Kind of. Um, I'm not sure that's really our Jesus, but it's a Jesus. A Jesus. A, the prophet Jesus or prophet Isa, as they as they like to call him. Okay, well, Jesus in, in, in Arabic, right? Prophet Isa. Jesus is um, in the Quran. Jesus is the penultimate, the penultimate messenger sent by God, born sinless to Mary, performed many big and small miracles, and the one to come back during the second coming to establish peace on earth. I mean, and I like, I like that. You know, that's what they think of him. I like it. Keep it because when he <laughs> comes and does a madness, uh, then you people will be like, oh, oh my gosh, look at what he has done. You know, so he, um, yes, he was born to Mary. Um, yes, he performed many big and small miracles, which don't include making milk come out of um, cow, a carved cow statue of a cow because that's one of some miracle that somebody did in that book and it doesn't it's a lot of stuff okay um (laughs) perform many big and small miracles and is the one to come back the one not the one to come back during the second coming to establish peace on earth so jesus is mentioned in the quran so he's not only just a fictional character made up um in 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 the bible that you know some man one day lovingly created this fictional idea of jesus to control the whole of mankind you know just to keep us all under under thumb you know let's make up a guy called jesus that will keep all these all the rest of these humans you know in check no boo Mm-mm. And like going on from what um, Tina said, one of the misconceptions that he didn't even exist. Like there was never anybody called Jesus ever in the history of mankind, which is obviously stupid because there's even people called Jesus now. So I don't know where you get that from. You could just say it's one of them, you know, but you're trying to say that there's just never, ever been any Jesus who was from Nazareth. Well, Jesus was a very common name in Nazareth. So again, that can't be true. And I'm going to show you why. I think that's just an entirely completely ignorant position to have because even some of the top scholars or most actually most of the top scholars and historians atheists or not can agree that Jesus existed whether or not he was the Jesus that we as Christians say he is being the son of God and the you know the savior of the world you can make that decision in fact that's the decision that Jesus is encouraging you to make believe in me if you like you know but you can't say that he didn't exist at all that's just mad um and we have like different writings that prove that there was a man called Jesus who did have some kind of upheaval at the time. For example, Tacitus, 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 sorry, one of the Roman historians, um, his last major work was titled Annals and he wrote it in 116 to 117 common era. Uh, And it includes a biography of the emperor Nero in, um, in 64 I'm, I'm just going to say AD, guys. You know what I'm talking about. In 64 AD. Or is it? Yeah. Um, and Nero was suspected of secretly ordering the burning of a part of town and blaming Christians. Um, so obviously we know that then in 19... I'm um, sorry, 19? In, six, in 116 to 117 AD, there was the, the concept of Christians. So it's not that the church, the Catholic church, just decided that there was Christians in the, you know, in the year... 12,000 or 1,200 or whatever. Okay, now, so I'm going to read an excerpt from Tacitus's Annals. Therefore, to put down the rumour, Nero substituted as culprits the pun- and punished in the most unusual ways those hated for their shameful acts whom the crowd called Christians or Christians. Um, the founder of this name, Christ, um, Christus, in latin had been executed in the reigns of tiberius by the procurator pontius pilate suppressed for a time and uh, the deadly superstition erupted again not only in judea the origin of this evil but also in the city rome um, where all things horrible and shameful from everywhere come together and become popular so it's saying that basically 
um, this man in this historian. So remembering historians are people who use um, trusted sources to write accounts of history. So he's writing this in the second century about something that happened in the first century, 50 years prior, um, blaming Christians for something that happened. And it was saying that the Christians were founded by Christ. And then we have then in um, 93 to 94 AD, Flavius Josephus, who's a Jewish priest, who's also um, uh, a historian of the time, um, is writing an account about a governor called Albinus. And he writes... Ananus, thinking that he had a favorable opportunity because Festus had died and Albinus was still on his way, called a meeting of judges and brought into it the brother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah, James, by the name and some others. So the reason that he's saying the brother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah, and keeping in mind, this is a Jewish person. This is someone who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But he's saying Jesus, who is called the Messiah, because he's trying to say, which James he's talking about. So he's saying, James, well, I can't just say James because no one's going to know who I'm talking about because there's so many people called James. So let me say, oh, James, the brother of Jesus. But I can't just say the brother of Jesus because there's so many people called James and Jesus. So there's so many people who's called James and their brother is called Jesus. So how do I specify even more? Okay, I have to say Jesus who is called the Messiah so that people actually understand who I'm talking about. So this is written in 93. This is um, 60 years after Jesus' death, thereabouts, you know. Um, you know, maybe... 50 to 60 years after Jesus died, saying that, you know, Jesus... And so this is people who would have been alive at the time. Do you know what I mean? And this is common knowledge of the era. So you can't say that something is a myth when it's com common knowledge of the era. Um, we then have Lucian of Samosata in, 15, um, in 115 to 200 AD. Um, he was a Greek satirist who wrote the passing of... I want to say... Peregrinus, but you know I can't pronounce stuff, guys, so I'm sorry. And 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 this is what he wrote. They revered him as a god. Obviously, they're talking about Jesus. They revered him as a god, used him as a lawgiver, and set down as a protector to be sure. After that, other whom they still worship, the man who was crucified in Palestine, because he introduced this new cult into the world. Um, and then he goes on to say some stuff basically making fun of Christians and how they worship Jesus and how Jesus was, um, they say, he says, by worshipping that crucified sophist, which is like a philosopher um, himself and living according to his laws. So he's like making fun of Jesus and making fun of Christians. Like, why would you write something making, that's like writing something, making fun of Santa Claus. Like, mm. why? Like mm. you wouldn't mm. unless you thought it was real. Mm. And this is written just you know, less than a hundred years after the fact mm. when this stuff is common era and Christians are widely not accepted, but known and still being persecuted. We, there's so, there's so many different, um, like extra biblical texts they're called mm -hmm. that mention Jesus. I'm not going to read everything that is said, but I can give you some pointers. There's Stellus, the play, the Platonist philosopher who considered Jesus to be a magician um, there's Pliny the Younger, a Roman governor who kind of lived around the time of Tacitus, um, who wrote about early Christians and the worship of Christ as a god. There's Suetonius, a Roman writer, lawyer, and historian, who wrote about the riots um, in 59 AD about, among the Jews and the Romans and stuff, and speaks about Christ. Marabas Serapion, a prisoner of war held by the Romans, who wrote a letter to his son that described the wise Jewish king um, who's obviously Jesus. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of stuff. So you can do your own research. And some of these things, you can even find them like in a British museum and stuff. Like there's texts that refer to Jesus as either, um, uh, uh, you know, mischief maker or um, a magician or a crazy man. You know what I mean? There's, there's, or a teacher. There's different texts that all refer to this same Jesus of this same era who made people worship him around this time. So you can't say he didn't exist. You can say he wasn't the son of God. I don't fault you for saying that. You are allowed to have your opinion. Opinion, but you can't say he didn't exist that's stupid yeah it is it is very 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 silly um okay another misconception about jesus is that he is just one of many ways to god okay Woo! that he is just one one of many okay yeah he was this cool guy but he's not the only guy that we can use to access god and that there are many ways to god jesus is great but he's not the only great way to to heaven and that's not true you know there are many things that we we've had an episode on this when we talked about that jesus is the only way to god he is the way the truth and the life 
and we know the scripture. There's many scriptures which talk about the fact that you cannot access the Father except through Jesus Christ because Jesus is the Son of God. So any other method um, that you want to employ, any other method um, to get into heaven is, is, is not going to get you very far. Jesus is the only way to God. Another misconception is that he was accommodating of sin. That's a lie. That's a barefaced lie, guys. God, Jesus, God, Jesus was not accommodating to sin. He was the type of person who would understand that you were sinning and would say, okay, well, stop sinning and and follow me. Not, oh, yeah, yeah, you can keep sinning. That's fine. Come as you are and stay as you are. It's come as you are and leave with me differently than how you were before. For example, in John chapter 8, verse 10 to 11, when Jesus has raised himself up, and saw that no one was there. This is basically when they wanted to stone the women who just committed, been caught committing adultery. And so it says, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those who accused you? And no one, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's important to remember the sin no more part or it just doesn't make sense. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, it says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, that's like Jesus' first words in the Bible, pretty much. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the first thing he pretty much says is repent and believe in the gospel. The repent part comes first. Repent means to turn away from your sins and believe in the gospel. Do you know what I mean? And it's not saying, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to be sinless to come to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to repent. You have to turn away and not want to do those things anymore before you come to Jesus. And Jesus was very much of that mind. Yeah, definitely. And um, my last misconception is that Jesus was two-faced. Um, that Who said that? <laughs> Jesus was two-faced. That he loves Where sinners. Where did he say that? Um, he loves sinners. He loves chopping it up with sinners. So why are you Christians always condemning? Um, why are Christians always condemning condemning sinners when Jesus used to be chilling with sinners all the time? He had sinners in his crew, go to sinners' house and eat dinner. We'll be doing all of that, you guys. So either your Jesus is two-faced, or you don't really know who your Jesus is because Jesus loved a good sinner. Okay. Mm. And um, well, he did. I mean, and, and this yeah, is exactly what I'm going to say is that Jesus did love a good sinner. Yeah, he absolutely did love sinners because that's who he was sent for. You know, he loved sinners. He was called for the sinners. Okay. <laughs> we also, as Christians, although some of them get it confused, are to love the sinner and hate the sin. Okay. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jude 1, 22. And on the same, have compassion, making a distinction, but not others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Okay. So we are supposed to pull the sinners out of the fire. You're not going to be able to do that unless you touch them. Do you know that when you're pulling somebody out of fire, right you can't just be shouting if somebody is burning across the road you shouting yeah come out of the fire come out of the fire fire. hey i'm pulling you out of the fire it's not gonna work what you actually have to do you have to cross the road and you have to touch them and pull them out of the fire you have to if someone is drowning you can't just say hey will you stop drowning stop drowning stop stop that stop drowning you're gonna get your (laughs) hair wet you're gonna get your hair your clothes are absolutely ruined no you're not gonna just be talking to somebody from across the road um and trying to save them from their sin and shame you have to go to where they are that's a good point be with them and touch them so that you can pull them out of whatever the situation is and that is what jesus did so when he's chilling with tax collectors when he's talking to prostitutes when he's talking to women by the well when he's talking to all these people yes he's chilling with them yes he's chopping it up yes he's having dinner yes he's drinking water but why is he doing that he's doing that so he can preach himself to them he's doing that so that he could tell them about the kingdom of god he was loving on them and despising their sin by telling them to stop doing it. so it wasn't two-faced and neither are we well maybe we shouldn't be you know he wasn't two-faced he wasn't like ew, chopping and changing in one minute trying to cuss all the sinners and next minute having dinner because he was hungry he wasn't hungry he wasn't begging for bread hello this is jesus he's never ever begged for bread so we need to understand Even that now he I'm needed he needed to touch them to pull them out of the fire um he showed love the whole premise the underlying premise of this is showing love first john 4 8 to 9 says he who does not love doesn't 
He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In the same love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the embodiment of Jesus. And we have to understand this. So Jesus wasn't confused as to what he was supposed to be doing in his three-year ministry. Mm. One minute just trying to be best friends with bad men. And then the next minute trying to be in the temple preaching up a storm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's he wasn't confused. He knew what his mission was. His mission was to show love and change people's lives through love. You see what happened after Jesus ministered to Nicodemus. We see what happened after Jesus ministered to by the woman who was at the well. We see what happens when he saved the prostitutes. We see what what happens after he's sat with them he's touched them he's chopped it up with them he ate some fish and some bread with them we see what happens after jesus did all these things so there mm-hmm. was a purpose to it the issue that we're having is some of us christians are trying to chop it up with people and then not talk about jesus while you're doing it well that's stupid <laughs> well that's stupid so don't make no not sense confu- i'm not confused for me it's not confused we no. are very much confused we're not we are very much what? confused we are very <laughs> much yourself, sure girl. we are very much sure what we're doing when we are talking to people who other Christians think are unclean. Mm-hmm. We know what we're doing. And, and those Jesus, of you who think they're unclean, just read the book of Jonah. And and Jesus is the perfect example of how to do this. He wasn't mm-hmm. two-faced. He wasn't confused by his mission. And he wasn't trying to have his cake and eat it too. Jesus is the cake. Okay? Jeez. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go. <laughs> and our last misconception of the day, though I'm sure there's probably many more, is that he was white. <laughs> and we discussed this already, so I'm not going to go into great detail about it. But um, he was not white. He was not uh, like a flowy haired, light skinned, pretty boy with blue eyes. Do you know what I mean? As commonly depicted, um, mainly in the Catholic Church, to be fair. But um, in Isaiah 53 verse 2, it says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. <laughs> he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was not a pretty dude. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't, le- I'm not saying he was ugly, but he wasn't like Idris Elba or something, you know, like he was just almost like a plain Jane. Do you know what I mean? He there. was just looking just ordinary so that people wouldn't be attracted to him because of his looks, but because of the message that he had and the anointing that he had on his life. Like some you know of I mean? your pastors will be doing Jericho, relaxed hair, slick back, relaxed <laughs> his suits, oh my shite, my face is this is that. But not, yeah, I digress. <laughs> so he was Caucasian, but he was not white. So Caucasian is literally the Euro-Asian continent, right? And so he was, yes, he was Middle Eastern, but he was not white. He would have had a wicked tan, okay? And also... um. It's important to know that, or no, it's not important. I just like to point out that actually Muhammad was probably a lot lighter than Jesus was because there was no kind of mention in the Bible about Jesus being light. In fact, it says that his feet were bronze, you know, in the book of Revelation. Whereas in um, the Hadiths, Muhammad is spoken about, about being bright and light and white, you know, and they never spoke about Jesus like that. And if they, they would do because it was unusual for the time, which is why they say it about Muhammad. But they don't say it about Jesus because he was, he just looked average. He just looked like every other average Joe. Do you average know what I mean? Dude. This week's episode is sponsored by our temple in which dwells the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself. First John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This week's episode is sponsored by Jesus himself living inside of us. And our hashtag scripture for this week is John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Amen. Amen. Um, let's pray out. Lord, help us to know the real you and have a deep relationship and revelation of you. Jesus, we want you to reveal yourself to us, your character, your divinity, your wisdom, your purpose. Help us to live through you. Help us to live like you did. Help us to 
perform greater miracles than you did. Help us to spread the gospel wherever it needs to be spread in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray that every misconception that we have of you is just completely cleared up and overhauled and that we know the true authentic Jesus, the divine word of God in Jesus' mighty name, in your name. Amen. (laughs) Amen. 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 Okay. So you can find us on SoundCloud, hashtag scripture, iTunes, hashtag scripture. Please subscribe and leave a comment, um, a review on iTunes, guys. Please, please, please. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Those are both hashtag scripture. Um, It's Twitter. It's HT scripture. Patreon is where you can support the ministry, get access to um, extra good really cool funny content sometimes reaction videos sometimes not we've also got ticket giveaways discount for tickets merch um and all of that good stuff so guys thank you so much for supporting thank you so much for listening thank you so thank much you. for following please share this episode with people especially um, with people who are not they're not too sure on this jesus and you want them to really accept jesus but they are not too sure about him this is the perfect episode to send to them thank you for listening bye we love you bye Bye.